chapter 8, verse 28. Amen. I think intermission is over. They started recording, so I have to stay, stay on my P's and Q's. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm learning. Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Then we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. His purpose, not your purpose. We want God to work stuff out because of what we want. But you see how we are just totally opposite in our thinking in the way God thinks? It says all things work together for good to them that love God, right? And to those who are the called according to his purpose. So if we are called according to his purpose and we're doing the things that we ought to do according to his purpose, then everything else will work out for good. Now, a lot of times we want things to work out for good and we're doing our purpose. And then we get frustrated with God. Why God not doing this? I thought he said he's God. Well, you're trying to work your purpose. <laughs> Verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 10. Verse 10 says, heard one Bible page, somebody, somebody staying true to the game. Somebody staying true to the game. Bible in hand and turning the page. Go ahead. That's right. I'll wait for you if I hear the Bible pages turning because everybody just look up now. Yeah. Verse number 10 says, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, somebody say all, all, come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or woman, just talking about mankind, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Final verse, that we henceforth from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Jesus, your presence is eminent and in this place. Now, Lord, we attend our hearing to your word. We open our heart to the Spirit, and we want your will to be done. Will you manifest your power? Will you do what you please in the midst of this tabernacle? I pray, O oh God, that the power of God will overshadow us, and that, Lord God, we will have our own experience and own encounter with you before we leave this place. 
God, we're looking to grow. We're looking for change. We're looking to take our rightful place in you, Lord God. We're looking for understanding, clarity, and knowledge in the word of God. We want to walk according to the purpose and the will of God for our life. Jesus, we call upon your holy name, and we ask, oh God, that you will pour out of your spirit and that you will bless your people today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let everyone say amen. Will you clap your hands unto the Lord as you're being seated? Thank you for standing. Thank you for your attention in the reading of the Word of God. I've entitled this message today, Striving for Perfection. Striving for Perfection. I have come to realize that many people who are attempting to be a Christian, you may not be a Christian yet, but you know you're going that way, or you may already be a Christian. Some may categorize it as being a spiritual person. Some may categorize it as living for God. Others may say, I'm a disciple of Christ. Or simply, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Regardless of how you categorize your attempt to strive, my question to you today is, do you really know what you're striving for? Do you really know the target that you're trying to hit as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ? as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as one who is maybe what you would call spiritual, do you know the target that you're trying to hit? Because what I've discovered is many people are trying to be godly and trying to live for God and trying to be a Christian, but they really aren't positive what the target is that they're striving for. What are they trying to obtain? I know the first thing you will think is, I want to go to heaven. But I have to tell you before I go any further, heaven isn't your target. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some of us are striving to be blessed. I just want to be blessed. Some of us are striving because we can't take the pressure and the problems anymore. Some of us are striving because we need financial blessings. Some of us are striving because our minds just can't be at peace. And we're striving because there's different things that we're trying to hit. I'm trying to hit a financial good situation. I'm trying to hit a good relationship situation. I'm trying to hit a good place where I'm at peace. And so we're trying to hit a target that we may have came up with. But today, I'm going to tell you what the target is. Because it's so important. Once you know, you know, in, 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 in corporate America, when we have a situation where someone uh, is not performing well at their job, and the manager comes to me and says, hey, you know, this person, you know, so-and-so, this is what's going on. The first thing I say to them is, did they understand their job description? 
I don't jump with the manager right away. I said, does the employee understand what is their job description? Does that employee know what they're supposed to be doing? Is that employee trained properly to understand what is the goal, the target, the end game? Are they equipped? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Because if they don't know what they're doing, how can we write them up? How can we fire them? How can we discipline them if they don't know what they should be doing? And I believe as children of God, we're striving for something, but we may not be as sure what that something is. And we're trying our best to get to hit that target, to figure out what that end game is. But if we want to be truthful to ourselves, we will realize, I don't really know what that target is. What is the target that we're looking for to hit as Christians? What, what is that target? Is it, is, it, is it heaven? What is that target? And so we're striving to hit a target that we really are not sure what it is. Trying to hit a target and not sure what you're trying to hit can become difficult. This journey that we're on can become very difficult because we don't know what the target should be. This, this journey that we're on can become complicated because we don't know what the target should be. It could become discouraging to the point of, I just need to give up that church thing because this is just so discouraging. This is so disappointing. This is so complicated. This is so crazy. Well, we come to those places in our thinking because we simply don't know what the target is. All the time we get frustrated and we come to the place that feel like we want to give up. And we, we come to the place where we're just like, it's not working. I believe as children of God that are striving, I believe we just don't know what the target is. And once we come to understand the target, then we will begin to see things change in our life. Amen. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let me first say this. Bad things can happen to good people. Soon as something bad go on in a good person's life, we're ready to condemn them. Oh, they must have been a mess. How can that happen to them? Well, bad things can happen to good people, just like good things can happen to bad people. The Bible says God reigns on the just and the unjust alike. I am no better than you because some good things are going on in my life. And you're no better than me because some bad things are going on in your life. It's a matter of where we are and hitting that target. Where are we in understanding where we're supposed to be going? All of us, we're on a journey. What is the target? Because something bad happened to you, it doesn't mean you are supposed to be a bad person. <laughs> we can't allow the bad things that happen to us to cause us to have a victim mentality. I'm going to work with that a little bit. I feel like the Lord wanted me to go down that road. 
we, we experience things in life that becomes hurtful. Some people say, why does these things always happen to me? Why do I always seem to be the one? Why am I always the one that people want to take advantage of or hurt or try to get over on? Why is it me that get treated wrong all the time? Why is it me that people disrespect? Why is it me? I can't believe this is always just happening to me. And then when you start saying that, you know the next thing you're going to do is turn to God. God, how can you let this happen to me? And God don't give you no answer. And so now it really uh, causes you to start walking around more and more with this victim mentality. I'm a victim. And every time you talk to people and however you address situation and how you process things, it always gets processed from a victim mentality standpoint. You're never seeing things the right way. You're always seeing it from a standpoint of I'm a victim. Yo, I've been taken advantage of. I've been hurt. And I've been treated wrong for so many times. And so you walk around with a victim mentality because you say, Jesus, how can you let this happen to me? And you continue as a victim. Victim mentality. Because something bad happened to you or because a few bad things happened to you and you just believe that, uh, you know what, it's just my situation and you just start living that way like you're the victim. When we get wounded... We tend to have a propensity to start feeling self-pity. You don't understand. You can't hear what nobody is saying. When you get wounded, you can't hear nothing anybody else is saying. You only hear hurt. Oh, that's how we do it. When you hurt, you can, somebody can talk to you with give you sensible counseling and talk to you really good and give you great advice and, 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 and show you how you can overcome and it will be very good. But somehow, you didn't hear none of it. Amen. Somehow, you couldn't take it and apply it to your life because guess what? You're so walking around in your pity situation. You're so walking around with your victim mentality and your woundedness. All you can think is hurt and pity and wound and you can't hear nobody. Counseling can't help you. I learned something about God. God don't talk until it will make a difference. We want to hear. I want to hear from God. No, because it will not make a difference if God talked to you right now. This is why sometimes you worry about why God isn't doing something about my situation. I feel like I'm sinking. I feel like I'm heading for destruction. I feel like this thing will never work out. I feel like this thing can never get right again. And you're waiting to hear from God. No, God. Because he knows if he's speaking the time that you think you want to hear him, you will really not hear him. Because he knows what the answer is. And he knows what you will receive and what you won't. And so when you want him to speak and he knows it won't work, guess what? You don't hear from him. And he knows what he's doing because you get even worse. Now you just don't even pray. Now you don't even read your Bible. Forget about God. He's not answering me. And so you leave God out now. 
And God just keep on nodding his head, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he knows you're going deeper and deeper. And at some point in time, when you can't handle it anymore, you will sincerely cry out and say, God, okay, okay, I know you're real. I know you exist. I know you can save. I know you can deliver. I know you can heal. I know you can provide. I know it. I know it. Here I am. Will you help me? He's waiting for that point. And until some of us get to that point, it's just how we're made up. Some people are stubborn. And the only time they're going to respond is is when it becomes a mess totally. Others, they're pretty perceptive. Yeah, I think I better make a move now and not wait till it gets really bad. Others may wait till it gets somewhat bad, but not totally bad. We're all different. And God knows us all and knows how to handle each and every one of us. He knows when he will get your attention. He knows when you're sincere. He knows when you'll respond in obedience. And so we get wounded and we tend to let this wound cause us to walk around in self-pity. Victim mentality and self-pity can become a way of life. A mindset to the point that it becomes a stronghold in your life. You ever heard of strongholds? Yeah, about three of you. Okay. Well, the Bible talks about strongholds. And we will kind of look at what a stronghold is today because you will probably pick up that you might have a stronghold or two in your life. Strongholds keep you held captive in a certain situation. And somehow you can't break loose from it. Somehow you can't get out of it. Somehow it just won't work for you to overcome it. And you're wondering. So at some point you just give up and just say, well, I'm okay in all these areas. But in this area I'm not and I'm just going to deal with it. That's not the will of God. It's not the will of God for any one of us to be in a stronghold and stay in the stronghold for the rest of my life or for the rest of your life. The Bible says God is our deliverer. And if God is our deliverer, there is nothing that he can't deliver you out of. There is nothing he can't deliver you from. There's nothing he can't set you free from. And so if God is our deliverer, there is nothing that he can't deliver you from. We can't get to the place where we start just accepting our strongholds. Strongholds are thoughts and beliefs and emotions we have experienced in our life that we use to justify our behavior. Strongholds, thoughts, feelings, emotions. Beliefs that we've experienced through our life. And so we start living a certain way and we use those thoughts and feelings, emotions to justify our actions. Whether those actions are right or wrong, you could care less. All you're saying is, this is the reason why I do this. That's a stronghold. This is the reason why I do this. 
and you're at the point where I am not going to worry about if I'm right or wrong. I'm not going to worry if I'm sinning against God or I'm not. It does not matter. You ain't been in my situation. You not. You never was in my circumstances. You you didn't go through what I went through. So don't tell me this is how I'm going to live my life. That's called a stronghold. You're trying to justify your own behavior. And in the eyes of God, he told us how to live. He told us how to live our life. There is no justification for any one of us for how we want to live except for obeying God. We can't justify it. So I understand that I don't understand. I understand that we don't understand the things that you have gone through. Uh, Some of us have gone through some heavy stuff. I feel it. I feel it in here. I'm not going to say what the heavy stuff is, but some of us have gone through some heavy stuff in this room that is causing you to behave the way you behave. And and nobody knows why you behave the way you're behaving. Nobody understands the hurt you have sustained. Nobody knows the tears that you have cried. Nobody knows how badly you were treated. Nobody knows how much you was rejected. Nobody knows what you have gone through. And so today, day, the way how you live your life, how you conduct yourself is because of those things. And whether you want to think the person is wrong or right, you're saying to yourself, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they think. They didn't live the life that I live. They didn't go through what I went through. They didn't hurt like I hurt. They, they, they weren't treated like I was treated. So later for them, I don't care what they want to say. And I don't care if the pastor want to say that's a sin. That's later for him too. That's just what happens when you get in a situation where you're in a stronghold, where you have a stronghold. You can, the preacher can preach all he wants. You're like, I hear you, bro. You just turn him off when he starts preaching on that. And then once he get off that, you turn him back on. Okay, I'll listen to that. But I wasn't listening to all that mess because he don't know what I've been through. I can mess you up, though, and tell you, you don't know what I've been through. This is the trick that we better learn. You can say all in your heart what you have been through. You can you can explain to yourself. You can talk to yourself in your mind all of your stuff. They don't know. But somebody else saying the same thing you do. You don't know. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened to me. And we all have these things. You don't know what happened to me. So who is going to stand before God with that? You don't know what happened to me. Because at the end of the day, we're all in some way, shape, or form saying you don't understand. This is what I've gone through. This is why I am the way that I am. And this is why I come to church when I feel like it. And this is why I do what I do in church. Because you're justifying your actions and you're still operating in that pity situation and that that victim mentality. So no matter what anybody say, you just walk away saying, whatever. You don't say it to them, but you just walk away, whatever. Because they don't understand. Listen to him. He can talk all of that stuff. Look at his life. Listen, let me just say for me real quick, and I'll back off it, because I have my family, so i got to protect them. But I'm a good 
Um, I know how to keep things in perspective, and no matter how bad things are, to keep it positive and keep it going good. And so you can look at me and think my life is great and wonderful, and there's no oh man, he's living an awesome life, and you don't know that either. You don't know, but I choose. I choose not to walk around like I'm a victim. I choose not to walk around like my life is falling apart. I choose not to go around and carry my hurts and my pains and my disappointment and my wounds. I choose to do that. If you're living in this earth, you have experienced wounds and hurts and disappointment. I'm no different from you. God don't choose preachers because they went through a little less than you. God don't choose people to preach the gospel because their life was just a little bit better. I beg the difference is probably the opposite. He's going to choose the preacher that has gone through more than everybody else because that preacher needs to tell people what it's like to go through. Don't you look at the preacher and think everything is great and all is well. Oh, I tell you, God wants us to walk around not with a victim mentality. Not pity. You can choose to. Or you can choose not to. Don't walk around pity party because it's a stronghold. Strongholds serve as protection for your own belief. That's what it does. So, when you have strongholds, in order for it to be a stronghold, it means you can't get free from it. And the reason why you can't get free from it, you've made it into a belief. You know how we believe in Jesus Christ? Well, you have believed in your stronghold just the same. And in some cases, your stronghold is stronger than Jesus. And so whatever situation that you're in, you're going to stay in it because you have made it stronger than Jesus. You have believed your situation more than you have believed in Christ. If you believe your situation is more real than how Christ is and how powerful Christ is, then you're in a serious stronghold situation that you can't get free from until you allow Jesus to be stronger than your stronghold. If we're going to overcome strongholds in our life, we have to start looking outside of ourselves. Now, that's already something hard to do. How do you look outside of yourself? Because look outside of yourself, you start now making it about not yourself. When you, when you hear from me, when I hear from you the other day, Tom, let me break it to you in front of the congregation. I was going to tell you personally. So the other day, Tom gave me a tie. Because I have this running thing going. Brother Henry, know about it. I have this running thing going. Y'all can't do this to me because I'm going to go broke. So just be careful how you tell me you like my tie. So way back in the day, I told people, if they said they like my tie, I would take it off after I'm done with using it and give it to them. Say, if you like it, it's yours, right? And so I've been doing that for years. And so the other day, I said to Tom, and I wasn't thinking. I just, I just, I said, nice tie. He wanted to get me. I said, no, 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 I don't want it. Eh, we went back and forth. I went out to my car. It was on my car window. I said, oh. <laughs> All right, he got me. So the other day, my job, um, we adopted a school in Philadelphia. And um, 
we're trying to help them get job ready. They're 11th graders, and we're trying to prepare them for jobs, summer jobs and all that stuff. So we would go once a month, and we'll put on, like, some kind of, you know, job fair and try to help them and work with them. And so the last, um, the last session we had with them, we had to prepare them for interview, uh, how to interview, how to, how to dress. I grabbed the tie leaving early that morning with Tom's tie. And so I got to I got to the school in Philadelphia that morning. I said, Ugh. And so I put it on a young man and we're tying his tie. He said, I like this. I said, it's your tie. I said, how am I gonna explain that to Tom that he gave me a tie and I gave it away? Oh God. That's what I just did, because I didn't know how to explain it to you. Tell it in the preaching. Oh. So I gave the tie away to just, you know be a blessing. But my point is, in order to get over your stronghold, you're going to have to go outside of yourself. You, you, you can't make it about you. You have to make it about somebody else. Yes, it's nice. And not just your family member. That's obvious. We're supposed to take care of our family and love them. So I'm talking at a broader scale. Go outside of yourself and, and invest in somebody. Not just in giving, because some of us can afford to give, but in spending time. Ooh. If you're going to overcome your stronghold, you have to get outside of yourself. There is, you have nothing more precious other than breath than time. After your breath, time. And when you go and spend time with someone and make it about them and not you, you start to work through overcoming your stronghold. Because the reason why you're in the stronghold situation is because you made it about you. We getting this? I'm talking about striving for perfection. I know you're saying, how's that striving for perfection? I'll get there to you. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. So you got to go outside of yourself. And you got to give yourself. The victim mindset or self-pity mindset can ultimately impede your desire to strive for perfection. That's where I'm really going, right? So because of our victim mentality mindset, our pity mindset, and, 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 and just making it about us, it will hinder us, impede us from striving for perfection. Without a desire... You can never progress beyond yourself. Some of us wondering, why can't I blah, 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 blah. Well, you don't have a desire for it. Now, there are some things that we don't have a desire for in life that we just need to say, you know what, I'm moving on because I don't have a desire for that. I'm not even worried about that. We have to be comfortable within ourselves to know there's just some things, it's just not me. I'm okay with it. I'm moving on from that because I don't have a desire for that. But there are some things that if we don't have a desire for that, we better start praying. God, I don't have a desire to pray. God, I don't have a desire to read the Bible. God, I don't have a desire that when I come to church, I clap my hands or I lift my hands or I worship you or I dance in the spirit, whatever it is. I don't have a desire for that, God. And that's not right. And that's not good. And that's not how I want my life to be. So, God, can you do me a favor? Can you somehow put that desire in me to want to read my Bible? Can you somehow put that desire in me to want to pray? Can you put that desire in me to want to get to church and to raise my hands and to worship? 
worship you and to pray. Can you put that desire in me, God, to live a life that is right and pleasing before you? I need that desire, Lord. I don't have that. And I don't understand that, Lord. Can you help me? You can pray that prayer. You can pray that prayer. There's some of us that don't have the desire and we're wondering, why can't I get the desire? Well, pray and ask God for the desire. Don't leave it right. That's too important to just like, well, whatever. I just don't have the desire. They just love it. I don't. I don't, I don't know why. Well, pray when it becomes serious. When it becomes life or death, you better begin to pray and say, God, this is unacceptable. I need your help. Amen. Amen. We have a thing that we, preachers, this, let me let you in the preachers talk real quick. Preachers, when they're talking, they, 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 um, they will have discussion about certain topics. Um, and, and what we will say is, is it heaven or hell or no? What does that mean? Things that are important that have to do with your salvation, your eternal life, heaven, those things you better get right. When Jesus is going to come back, we can argue from now till he come back and it doesn't matter who's right. You follow what I'm saying? That's how preachers talk. So we want to talk about, there's something we say, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or um, um, post-tribulation. Preachers argue that all the time. Is there going to be a, this is what they say, is there going to be a tribulation before Jesus come back? Is there going to be a tribulation when Jesus is coming back? Is there going to be a tribulation after Jesus come back? And we, preachers argue all about that all the time. That has nothing to do with heaven and hell. So we can argue all day we want. That's just for us to just see who's more, you know, intellectual in the word of God. That means nothing. But we better argue about if the Bible says you must be born again to enter the kingdom, then we better argue about that and get it right. And before we walk away, we better settle in our heart if it's right or wrong. There's some things you have to you have to ask God. God, help me to understand this. God, put this in my heart. God, open my eyes to this because if this if I'm wrong in this, I will miss out on eternal life. If I'm wrong, so I need you to help me. So there's, it's okay to pray and ask God for a desire for things that you should have a desire for that you don't have a desire for. I'm almost finished. So. We need to pray for desire because we want to fulfill God's purpose in our life. And so if we don't have a desire, we can never fulfill God's purpose in our life. If we don't have a desire, we will not be able to ever reach perfection. (laughs) Now listen to me. Let me help you out now before y'all lose you because I feel like I might be losing you because you're still sitting there saying, that preacher crazy. Can't nobody be perfect. I know. Listen, we cannot be perfect. So let me agree with you now so I can get you back. Yes, we cannot be perfect. We're striving for it, but we can't be perfect. But let me help you out to get more insight than that. Listen to me. We are striving to be complete in Christ. Perfection don't mean perfect, no flaw. Perfection means complete in who you're supposed to be in Christ. All right, one, two, three. Three clap, one nod head. (laughs) Three clap, one nod head. Then we got a couple joining a little later. Perfection, let me say it again, is 
who you are in Christ, your, your completion, completion as far as who you are totally in Christ. That is what completion is all about. So when the text say we are uh, uh, trying to obtain perfection, it's saying that we are trying to obtain our completion in Christ. Because every one of us, before we were even born, before we even was formed in our mother's womb, before that even happened, there was a purpose for you in Christ before you even came into this world. You see, God is our Father, and He knows better than we do. We may bring children here because, you know what, Ah, we just need to have kids. He brought kids here with purpose for them. I believe that if we will follow his lead to say, I'm going to have five children. One going to be a preacher. One going to be a nurse. One going to be a doctor. One going to be this. And we bring them into this world and we coach them and we guide them into those lives. Maybe, just maybe, we will see a whole lot more success than we've had. I'm not telling you it's all going to work. I'm just telling you maybe we would have more success because there was purpose for them. But we just have them and just say, oh yeah, this is my baby right here. And you just have a baby because you want to have a baby. Amen. And now we don't have a plan for the baby. You know, we don't have college tuition. We don't have this. We don't have that. We just know we needed a baby. Because baby make me feel good. Baby called my name, daddy, mommy. Baby just make me feel good. And so I just need to have a baby. No plans. Nothing. Then as the baby start getting older and start getting and developing their own ideology and everything, you start trying to curb their mind to start saying what they should do. No, you should have known what they should be doing before they came. When mommy was walking around like this, we were supposed to be rubbing the baby, belly, mama's belly and says, you're going to be a preacher. Oh yeah, you're going to be one of the greatest preachers there ever is. You're going to preach the gospel like nobody has ever preached the gospel. Oh, somebody, that's what we ought to do with our children before they even come out, we need to be talking to them. You're going to be an engineer, but you're going to do something for the kingdom of God. And so you talk to them while they're in the womb and that's what we're supposed to do but we don't do it Amen. well our father don't work like that our father makes sure that we give birth when we give birth there's already a plan and so all of us have a plan in Christ Jesus and so we're striving to complete ourselves into that plan of God for our life now the other thing is we're supposed to be like Jesus. Oh, that's the one I'm going to work with that you don't like probably, huh? Now, we can't be Jesus, but we can be like Jesus. When, we're, when we really understand what God is all about, we will realize that there is no such thing as a victim. You... Let me help you. If you're walking around with a victim mentality mindset, you still need to know who God is. I'm not trying to be offensive. You want me to prove it to you? All right, let me prove it to you. That victim mindset will cripple you. But let me prove it to you. We are not victims. Just as Christ was not a victim. <laughs> you ready to mess with me now? 
Now you tell me if you never did anything wrong, never told a lie, never did anybody wrong. All you've been was just a blessing to everybody. And they arrested you and hung you and nailed you. Don't you think you are a victim? So none of us in this room that's striving for perfection can ever walk around with a victim mentality and be correct in that. Because the one who's supposed to have a victim mentality didn't have one. As a matter of fact, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So he was sitting up on that cross, hurting in pain and everything and still saying, don't even worry about it. They're going to be all right. They're just ignorant of what they just did. He didn't sit there and say, oh, God, it's me. Whoa, it's me. Oh, they did me wrong. So if he didn't cry victim mentality and pity, why are we doing that? As a matter of fact, you don't want to hear this, but here's the absolute truth. What Christ went through was the absolute perfect will of God. Ooh, I know we would get quiet on that one. So his, they beat him. They put a crown of, thorn on, a crown of thorn on his head. They mocked him. They slapped him. They spat upon him. Crucified him. And you telling me that's the perfect will of God? It is. Because if that didn't happen, you and I wouldn't have a chance. So if that's the perfect will of God, what are you going through that you thought God is just, oh, can he let this happen to me? What are you going through that's so bad that you're saying, how can God allow this to happen to me? I can't believe I'm going through this. I can't believe this has happened to me. What is that now? We need to be free from that stronghold because we're trying to strive for perfection. And if we keep that mindset, we're going to stay crippled and we're just going to come to church in physical, but not spiritual and not emotional and not mental because we're just in a place where we're just showing up visibly. God wants to help us, church. God wants to help us. He wants to do something in our life. And he's not wanting for us to just show up and say, I'm in church today. No, he wants you to get to where he wants you to be. You got to strive for perfection to one day become complete in Christ Jesus for who he created you to be. I'm finishing up now. He created you so you can be like him. Like him, not him, like him. All of us walking this earth was created to one day become like Jesus. That's why we're here. So the goal, the end game, the target is that I may become like him. And if I become like him, I will be complete in him. It means I'm fulfilling. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus had a mission when he came here. Watch his life. 
This is what he's asking from us. He's not telling us to die for everybody's sin because he did that already. But what he's saying is, watch me. I had a mission when I came to that earth. Understand this. He came from heaven. Now, we know God Almighty is invisible. And so in order for him to accomplish the mission, he had to become visible. That's why he became a man named Jesus. But it was God all the way still. Okay? But what the plan was, was for him to come to this earth to be an example, to train people how to be disciples of Christ, die that we wouldn't have to die, go to hell so we wouldn't have to go to hell, and ascend to heaven so one day we can be with him. So he went, he came here with a plan, fulfilled the plan, and ascended. We're supposed to be like him. Now you, you figure that out in your mind now. You came into this world through the womb. There's a plan for you. Won't you accomplish it? Once you move forward and do it. Because once it's done, you're going to send. Oh, God, help us today. Oh, We want to go to heaven, but we don't understand what it takes to go to heaven. It's becoming who Christ created you to be and following the purpose he has established in your life. Become complete in him. Know who he is. And one day you will ascend. Just like he ascended, you will ascend to heaven too. But you must fulfill the plan. Uh, uh, I wish I could do something else to help you. I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. But, but we are challenged. All kind of things goes on in our life and we're saying, what is this and what is that? Everything. This is why now, go back to the text. For we know all things work together. That's why the Apostle Paul could write that, for we know all things work together for good. Why? Because Paul can say that, because guess what happened to him? After he realized uh, what his purpose was, guess what? He never turned back. He never looked back. He said, okay, now he called me to the ministry. This is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. Let me fulfill it, and nothing will stop me. And once I'm done, I'll be out of here. I'll complete the mission. I'll do what he has called me to this earth to do. I've done who I'm supposed I've done what I'm supposed to do. Do and be who I'm supposed to be. That's what God is asking from all of us. You can't live how you want. You didn't bring yourself here. As a matter of fact, I do do that with children all the time. I say that to parents all the time, and I know that with my very own. That's why sometimes, I'm with you, Sister Angela, sometimes we can go a little overboard trying to make sure we we cuddle and shelter our children. Because all I know is, they didn't ask to come here. That's all I know. I don't know nothing else. They didn't ask to come here. We start doing stuff and they came. They didn't ask to come. So if they came, we better do what we're supposed to do. Right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? We got to do what we're supposed to do. They came. We, 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 we got involved and called them to come here. So we better do our jobs. And so God brought us here, here for us to do our jobs. We better make sure we follow him because he is the one orchestrating what's supposed to be done in our life. Forget about who you're trying to be. You got to be who God created you to be, not who you want to be, not how you think you need to live your life, not according to your experiences, not according to what you have been through. You have to live your life according to who God created you to be. And he created you to be like Jesus. He created you to be complete in him and fulfill your purpose in him. And so I'm I'm finishing here. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Back to verse 11. When preachers preaching, let you hold preachers accountable, including myself. If I share the text with you at the beginning, I better share the text with you as I close. I better show you through the scripture what I was talking about. So if a preacher just throw out a, a scripture and just go off topic and go off base and just never come back, that's just him doing what he want to do. Or it could be possible that the Holy Ghost took control. But that's another story. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give that, those gifting to the body? For the perfecting of the saints. Who are the saints of God? All of us. So he gave gifts to the body for the perfecting of the saints. What does that mean, perfecting of the saints? I just told you, uh, perfecting, perfect means to be complete. So through training, you're supposed to be complete. Through training. Listen to me. For those of you that know about sports, here is what they do. Professionals, forget about all the other ones. I'll just go straight to professionals. The ones that become great at their craft is the one that train more than everybody else. One, two, three, four, five, at least five that I know, nurses in this room. This is a nurse church. I don't know what this is all about. My cousin Kamisha's a nurse too, so I'm just like, every, I can't get away from nurses around here. We got to do something with nurses. So I don't know. But we have about five nurses in here, and I know, I've lived it with even my sister-in-law, so I've just got the nurses all around me, right? And so I know the study and it take, the exam, and all the tricks that you have to go through. I know the trick for you to find out how, if you pass the, the exam. I know the trick, how you need to know how to, if you pass the exam. That's how much I've been around nurses, right? But my point is, my point is, they study hard. They're, they're constantly, they have to be trained in their first job. They have to be in a, in a good situation where they're training so they can learn how to do things right. And so it takes a lot of time, effort, studying. I watch my sister-in-law study, man, three o'clock in the morning, fall asleep. I watch her fell off the chair, got back on the chair and got herself back together. But she's a bona fide nurse now. And I'm sure all of you got some of that story too. So my point is, Look at the effort you all put in to become a nurse. And you're still not the best nurse. They got the charge nurse. They got the head nurse. You can keep on going. You still ain't the one on top. So what I'm trying to tell you, for the perfecting of the saints, we come to church to be trained. We come to church to learn. We come to church to grow in our relationship with Christ. Because one day I want to be not perfect, but complete. That's why I'm here all the time. That's why I'm praying. That's why I'm going to Bible study and come to church. So one day I can be complete in Him. Understanding my purpose in Him and fulfilling it. The less you come to church, the longer it's going to take. There are some nurses, I don't know if any of you are like that, because I think all of y'all sh- uh, that are in here are smart, but there are some nurses that had to take the exam a few times. Uh, they, they grumbled on that one. <laughs> There's some nurses that had to take that exam more than once. You know why? You didn't put enough studying in. 
And so, for us, we're trying to be complete in Christ. This is why we're coming. Why are they going to church? I'm trying to be complete in Christ. I'm trying to fulfill my purpose in Christ. Why are they worshiping? I'm trying to fulfill my purpose. I'm trying to be complete. I'm trying to understand who I am in Christ. And the more I put the work in, the more I do this, the more I do that, the closer I get, the more understanding I get, the more my eyes open. But if I just do it once in a while, it's going to take me so long to understand. And let me tell you this, church, I got to be honest with you. God has been so good to us. God has done so much for us I will be embarrassed and shamed and heartbroken that I could not give back to him just a little bit of what he's done for me and so I'm striving for my perfection I'm striving to come to get to the place of completion so I can say God I can never repay you for what you've done but Lord I want to do something to let you know I know what you have done and I appreciate it and the only way I can ever get to that place is to be trained, is to be perfect in him, is to learn his ways and begin to do the things I need to do. I need to give something back to God. He's been too good to me. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You know what that means? Once you understand that you have been called by God, you are chosen and you are complete in him, you're supposed to labor, serve. Within the church. I'm trying to help you this morning. Some people are like, I ain't going to that church. They just want you to do stuff. If it's a right church, don't worry about people. You're there to do what God has called you to do. You're there to do who God has chosen you to be. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I tell the church this all the time. Christ in the church, no, I am here to serve you. I am here to make sure the very best that God wants for your life to be done. I have no, no agenda. I understand who Jesus is. And all I know is my job is to serve you so you can become complete in him. That's my job. I'm not here to rule you. I'm not here to tell you what to do. All I'm here to do is lead you. Let me tell you, they say you don't drive sheep, you lead sheep. A shepherd stay in front of the flock and and the flock will follow him or her. But the one that stay behind and says, you better do this and you better do that. I just told you about the right preacher and the wrong preacher. Sorry. That probably wasn't for your ears. If the preacher's telling you everything to do and he ain't doing it, she ain't doing it, be careful. They're driving sheep. You don't drive sheep. You lead sheep. I'm not telling you. In the, I, find something I'm asking you to do from the word of God that I'm not doing. And, and come and say, dude, you, you told me to do this. And I ain't never saw you did that. What's up? Now, I might have done it already. and You don't know. So I'm not going to get offended when you come and ask. And I'm going to say, oh, well, you wasn't around when I was doing this. But I did that. And so God has promoted me to something else so somebody else can start doing that. But you have the right to come to me and say, I ain't never saw you do that. Do you do that? Have you done that? And I'll explain to you, because I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't do. I drove the school bus. I drove everything. I did everything. Right, Sammy? I did everything. I'm pretty confident that I would never ask you to do something I've never done. I would have to go do it myself first and say, all right, yeah, I've done that. And so for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ, the church is like a building. And everything must be fitly framed and put together. Foundation and 
the walls and the ceiling and the, 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 the tile or carpet, whatever. The, the church is a building. So I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about the people or the body or the church, but at the same time, it's supposed to provide or present like a building. Just like you construct a building, we as people are the church that make up the building. I don't know if you got that. So, for instance, the Bible calls us lively stones. So what it means is, if you want to look at this building, there is different makeup of this building. Well, start putting yourself in place of each of the places. So if, if, if there's a column, you might be a column. If there's carpet, you might be carpet, right? If there's ceiling, you might be ceiling, right? And we go on and on and on and on, whatever it is. So that's the point that we are, the body's supposed to be edified, build up. So when you come into the place of understanding your purpose, you get into the building and you start doing your part. And this is what God is waiting for, for the building, the church, his body to be complete. So we have to be complete individually as well as collectively in order for him to say, all right, look at my church, a glorious church. Now I'm coming back for her because she's without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She has now been completed because they have now understood what I was asking for. And now they have fulfilled what I've asked them to fulfill. Till we come. So he says all those things need to go on until, here's what God is after. Here's what God is after. So you have to become complete in Christ and become like Christ. And you have to keep working at that, verse 13, till we all come in unity of the faith. I'll explain that to you. You know what that means? Till we all have the same belief in the faith. You can't believe something different from me when it's only one God. You can't believe something different from me when we know that we must be born again of the water of the Spirit. You can't believe something different from me when we're talking about that God died for our sins and he was buried and he rose. We can't be thinking differently. And so we are, it's okay. But at some point, if we're striving for perfection, at some point, we ought to come into unity of our belief. Uh-huh. Right? The unity of the faith. Here's the big one. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. So we must become unified in our thinking of who God is and his word and his plan. And then we need to know him. So all of us need to know him. You know, one of the biggest reasons why God became man is because you would never really have an opportunity to know him as God. All right, y'all getting tired of me. I'm getting ready to close. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just, you know. It, it, the word get, get, just get a hold of me. But you could not know God as spirit. Tell me how flesh knows spirit. Somebody tell me how that works. Flesh can't know spirit. Flesh can't know spirit. It don't work. Flesh can't know spirit. You can have an understanding what spirit can do. You can, you know, experience what spirit can do. But you can't know spirit if you're in the flesh. It's not possible. Can you understand from just some of the actions? Sure you can. He came as a man so you can know him. (laughs) 
We keep on saying, how can God be one? And we keep on saying all these things. But if we will dig deep and get a real relationship, we'll realize the only way we will ever really have a knowledge of really knowing him, the only opportunity is for him to come in the flesh and live out his life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. God became flesh. Because you could not just know Him spiritually. He did all kinds of stuff in the Old Testament, and all, all they kept calling Him was Jehovah, or Yahweh, or Elohim. Why? All of those names are just names of, of, of the things that He could do. Jehovah Jireh. That, that wasn't personal. All you're saying is he's a provider. But when he came in the man Christ Jesus and said, now here I am in the flesh. Now you had an opportunity to know him. That is so significant to you, knowledge of the Son of God. That's what that says. To you come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Remember what I told you. There was no sex going on in heaven. Because it was all spirit up in heaven. So how was that going to happen? So how was he going to be a son from he was in heaven? He couldn't be a son in heaven. Let me not get you all messed up. Like I just, just, that'll go over your head. When, when, you get, when you mature a little bit more, you'll get to the place where you're like, ah, oh, now I see what that preacher talking about. But he became a man so we can know him. And so it says, of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our job is to one day... Know who Jesus is, become like him, and be complete in him. That's the target. That's the target. So everything you do, everything you go through is to help you know him. To help you become one with him. To help you become like him. To help you become complete in him. So now you don't have to think about victim mentality. Now you don't have to think about anything because everything that happens in your life, it's it's supposed to make you say, this is to help me become more like Jesus. And I'm sure if you think about Jesus' life, you will be able to identify something Jesus has done or gone through to say, I should be alright because I'm in good company. This went on with Jesus. This happened to Jesus. So I should be alright. And everything you're experiencing, if you will stop and stop worrying about it and say, why am I going through this? If you'll stop being a victim and start saying, my goal, my target that I'm trying to hit is to be like Jesus. Jesus and to be complete in Jesus, then no more will we worry about all the things we're going through. We will just take it in stride and says, I'm striving, I'm striving to become like Jesus. I'm striving to be complete in Jesus. And no matter what goes on, I'm going to take it in stride. It's to perfect me. Stand with me to your feet. You gotta know what the target is. You gotta know the target. We're trying to live for God not knowing the target. We have to know the target. And the target is to be like Jesus, to be complete in Him. And so when you struggle, just smile at your struggle and says, uh huh. Uh huh. And I'm not telling you to ignore that it hurts. I'm not telling you to ignore that it's frustrating. I'm not telling you to ignore none of that. You can cry your eyes out. You can bawl. You can do anything you want. Sob however you want. It's okay. But once you're done. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. But once you're done. Say, Jesus, you know. And I know 
There's a scripture. God spoke to me one time and told me this. And I, I saw the scripture the other day and I can't recall it again. But one day I was driving to church and I was just talking to the Lord in my heart and kind of emotional and tears coming to my eyes. And the Lord spoke to me and says, Wayne, you're only going through all of this because of me. Amen. Man, that comforted my soul so much. He said, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be going through this. It's because you're trying to please me. You're trying to please me and everything goes against what you're trying to do because, you know, the things of this world don't want to please me, but you're trying to please me. And that's why you're going through this struggle. That's why you feel the pain and the hurt and feel rejection and all that because you're trying to live to please me. Please, church, that's what we're trying to do. So when it hurts, when you sit down and you cry and you, you know, if you talk to your friend or whatever you do, I don't know how you do when you're hurting. Once you're done. Say, Jesus, I'm trying to please you. I want to be perfect in you. I want to complete, I want to, I want to be complete in you. I want to be like you. And I'm sure what I'm feeling, what is, what's hurting me is going to help me to be like you. It's going to help me, Lord God, to be complete in you. So I just cried my eyes out and I know it still hurts, but I'm trusting you, God, because you are the one that's shaping me and molding me and making me. You are the one that's, that's just doing the work in me. You are my creator and you know me better than anybody else. And so while it hurt, uh, listen to me. This is, this is the truth. We say, God, make me more like you. That always hurts. Because he got to take away stuff. And sometimes we get the image of him chiseling you. You tell me if hammer and chisel going to feel good. It will never feel good. But if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to please him and be in completing him and fulfilling who you are in him, it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to hurt a little bit. Man, I still don't understand how I got here, turning my life from where it was. I didn't turn my life. But him turning my life from the where it was to where I am today, I have no idea how he did it. It, did, it, was a, it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of heartache. I felt rejected. I felt hurt. Remember I told you when I first started going to church, I was away from all of my friends that I used to hang out, drink, and smoke with. I was away from them for about a year and a half. And they was all upset with me. All of them. And that hurt me. Because I couldn't get to them. For some reason, God wouldn't allow me to go. And so here I am understanding that they're, they're frustrated with me. They're frustrated with me. They're upset with me because, man, Wayne just started going to church and we don't see them no more. That hurt me bad because I was tight with them guys. Wayne just started going to church. He don't come around no more. A lot of people. I got a few good uh, friends that felt that way and it hurt me because I wanted to just let them know I'm still Wayne. No, I wasn't still Wayne. I was, I couldn't do anything about it. God had pulled me away. God was doing something in me and I couldn't do anything about it. That hurt. I felt rejected. They still having their good old time, even though that's not the kind of time I have good old time with no more, but they still was doing their thing. But they were disappointed that Wayne wasn't there with them no more. But the bottom line was God was doing the work in me and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. God wants to do a work in all of us here today so we can be complete in him. So we can be like him. But you can't worry about all the other alternatives. A lot of times I talk to people and they say, well, what about? I said, "Mm -mm, there you go. You're playing God. 
When God call you to something, don't ask God what about. Don't ask me what about. All I can tell you is just obey what he's leading you to do. Don't, don't start saying what. Don't try to outthink God because you can never do that. So when God call you to something, just, yes, the thought come to your mind. Well, what about this, God? Well, what about that, God? And how's this going to work, God? That's how I work. That's how my mind works. So that did happen to me, and I just had to let it go. I couldn't worry about what he was doing. I just had to say, you, God, and you know what you're doing, and I'll follow you. Your purpose, your completion in God. We have to take joy in fulfilling our life's purpose, which is to become like Jesus. It's not anything else. You know why people like to ask you? You know people like to ask you different things about why you're going to church? I just told you what to tell them. My life's desire, goal, target, end game is to become like Jesus. Why you look like that now? I'm trying to be like Jesus. Why you go to church all the time? I'm trying to be like Jesus. Why you pray like you do? I am trying to be like Jesus. Well, don't kids you pray in your mind? Well, Jesus prayed in his mind too, but sometimes Jesus prayed aloud. I want to be like Jesus. Right? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Grab a hold of this and says everything that happens from now on, I got to look at it. I'm trying to be like Jesus so I can fulfill my purpose. Be complete, perfect in him. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not doing it for any other reason. I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm not doing it to be called a name. I'm not doing it for any titles. I'm doing it because I want to be like Jesus. Because that's why he brought me here, to be like him. We need to take joy in that. We need to take pleasure in that. All the other things that you have in mind, they're secondary. They're third, fourth, fifth. They're way down the line. Because once you start being like Jesus, you will see some things don't matter anymore. You start being like Jesus. I don't want to scare you off, but money won't matter too much. Because what I'm money only causes you headache. I'm telling you, all money is good for is just to keep you comfortable. You have too much of it, it's going to give you a headache. All your relatives, all your friends, all your girlfriends, boyfriends, everybody want to borrow, everybody want to do that. It's just going to keep you busy and keep your mind off Jesus. That's all it will do. Just have enough just to live good and live comfortable. That's all. Just so you don't have to worry about bills and you don't have to worry about just having enough. But if you get too much, I'm just telling you when you are fulfilling your purpose in Christ. I'm just, maybe some of you are saying, he's crazy now. Now he went off the deep end. I hear you. I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'm speaking from a position of where I am in Christ. Is that right now, if I get a whole boatload of money, I'll be just like, ah, ah. it's just going to get in the way. I might just put it away and just keep living my regular life so I don't have to think about it. Because as you start delving into it, Somebody want to do a project with you. Hey, we can start a business over here. I'm telling you, you better think. I'm, I'm telling you. They want to start businesses. They want you to invest. All of that is taking up my time. I got to meet here. I got to meet there. I got, no, I'm trying to live for Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That's the difference once you start realizing I'm trying to be like Jesus. Everything changes. I'm not telling you I don't want money to live comfortably. I'm just saying I don't want too much of it. My wife's standing back there saying, no, he ain't saying that. I want it. I'm just being honest with you. It can get you jammed up trying to live for God because your mindset changes once you're trying to be like Jesus. Won't you bow your heads? And we're going to pray. This is the end of our service. And I'd like to pray for all of you before you leave. 
and this is what we do. If you feel like coming to the altar, you come to the altar and you pray and ask God to help you be more like him. Whatever you feel like doing this morning, you do it. But I'm going to pray just for a few minutes and just pray God's will upon your life. And then we'll go from this place and let God's will be done. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we know and we understand now that our life's goal, the target, Lord God, that we are endeavoring to hit is to be like you, is to be complete in you. Everything that we do, everything that transpires in our life, everything, Lord God, that we've experienced is not for us to be a victim, is not for us to cry about it, but it's for us to become more like you. God, as I've read about your life and I've, oh God, read about the things you have gone through, the struggles, the hurt, being deceived by Judas, Lord God. Oh, Father, all the things that you've gone through, spat upon and beaten, Lord God. People treating you like you're nobody. You're the king of kings and you came and they didn't reverence you as the king of kings. You are the one that giveth life and you came and they didn't pay you any attention. They did not reverence you. They didn't honor you. But God, you never walked around like a victim, even though you were their creator. You didn't walk around like a victim. Lord, can you put that in us? Whatever that is that is in you, that will cause us not to be a victim, not to have a victim mentality, not to have pity on ourselves, Lord God, but to be strong like you, trusting that all that we go through is for us to become more like Jesus, trusting that all that we go through is for us to fulfill our purpose in you, to be perfected in you. Lord, I pray today that every person under the sound of my voice that heard your word today, that change will come to their life, that they will be receptive and in agreement with what's been spoken into their hearing. Now, Lord, I pray that you will empower them with strength from on high to become doers of the word that they've just received, the word that they've just heard. I pray, Father, that lives will begin to blossom and lives will begin to be changed and transformed. People will come to the knowledge of who you are. This body of people will know you in a personal and intimate way. I pray the blessings of God upon them and in their homes and in their families. Lord, I pray that they will continue, Lord, to just begin to, oh God, allow the word of God to germinate in their heart. And for them, Lord God, to be able to see with spiritual eyes. Lord, they have needs, and I pray that you will show them that, God, as long as they're with you, and as long as they follow you and obey you, they will never, oh God, be forsaken. They will not, oh God, beg for bread. They will not have, oh God, need of what they have to have. Let them know, Lord God, that you're on their side, that you love them. Let them know, Lord God, that if they will follow you and they will take their rightful place in the kingdom of God, Lord, that they will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. I pray, Lord God, that the people of God in this room will begin to grow and bear fruit. For it is the seed, Lord God, that produces, oh God, the fruit. It's through the seed and the vine that, Lord God, we as your branch begin to bear fruit. It's nothing of ourselves. But it's because of you. I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ. That Lord everything that has been done here today. Lord God you will approve it and confirm it. In the life of each and every person. In the hours to come. In the days to come. Let them know Lord God how much you love them. Even more than you have already shown them. We thank you today. We thank you for all of our guests. Our family. Our friends. 
We thank you for this great church, Lord God. For how could we have ever known four years ago, Lord, you would have done something like this? You are so amazing. You're so wonderful. And God, you are the all-knowing God. Oh, my Lord. Somebody, he's the all-knowing God. He is already ahead. He's where we're trying to get to. If we will just trust God, God will see to it that all that he has proposed for you to do in him, it will be fulfilled. If we will just trust him, we will know and see that he will take care of us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. We give you honor. We give you praises. We go from this place. We go in your love. We go in your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.